You are listening to episode two of the Love Noteworthy Show. Welcome to the Love Noteworthy Show, the guide to leading your life with passion, purpose, perspective, and prosperity. Each week, we feature entrepreneurs, influencers, game changers, and change makers who provide powerful strategies for creating a remarkable first impression that leaves a lasting impact in your business, career, community, and personal life. So come join us as we transform your mindset and teach you the lessons you want and need to become Love Noteworthy. What is up, beautiful people? Have I mentioned how great you look today? Because you really do. And I mean, I don't know if it's because the sun is shining, it's beautiful out, you're getting your tan on, getting your exercise because it's summer and you want to have those bikini bodies, but you are freaking looking fabulous. And speaking of freaking, we have a freaking awesome episode today. Uh, and if you are averse to uh, F-bombs and S-bombs, you may want to be wary of this episode because my guest and I speak very passionately. Yeah, passionate is definitely the right word. Um, and get quite into some pretty awesome talks on Google Hangouts. So my guest today is Brandy Sweezy. Uh, we were introduced through some mutual friends, and that is Naveed Moazes and Simon Graner. They both run amazing podcasts all about business and life integration and balance and being lifestyle architects and just really killing it in the working world. So if you're into these types of podcasts that I'm running right now, you'll definitely want to check them out. But anyways, um, in the episode today, we talk all about Google Hangouts. And for those of you who don't know what they are, essentially they're kind of like Skype, but so much better in that you have an opportunity to really engage with your customers. You can have mastermind conversations with like up to 10 people at once. And the best part is, is that one, it's all free. Two, it uh, can be uploaded directly to YouTube, which makes it so much easier and accessible and cuts down so much editing and processing time. Holy crap. But we get into that in the interview today. So some of the things that we'll be talking about is uh, the benefits of using Google Hangouts for a business. What are some small ways that businesses can incorporate them into their marketing efforts for a low cost? What are some common mistakes that people will make in Hangouts? And what are things that people should avoid? As well as Brandy, she is so vibrant and so exceptional and she provides some really great tips for public speaking, making videos, and really engaging, igniting, and expanding your business. So definitely tune into this episode. Thank you so much for being here on this wonderful day. And without further ado, let's dive right in. What is up, lovers? Welcome to the Love Noteworthy Show. I'm your host, Reese, and I am filled with so much gratitude today to be interviewing the fabulous, fiery, and freaking hilarious Brandy Sweezy. Did I say your last name right? You did. That was a great job. Good job. Okay, sweet. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited. I know it's going to be really high energy and super swear-tastic because I like swearing, and I think from what I understand, you also do, so it should be a good show today. <laughs> Oh my 
my God, I love it. Swear-tastic. That's my new favorite word. Thank you for making, for, thank you for making my cussing way more elegant. I appreciate that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, every interview I do, I'm like, okay, I cuss a lot. Is that going to be okay? You know? so, so that's great. Fantastic. Swear-tastic. New favorite word. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome, Brandy. Um, just to give our listeners a little back bit of background on you. Um, So Brandy is the leading hangout marketing expert with 20 years of marketing and public speaking experience. She helps coaches, speakers, online thought leaders and businesses to engage, ignite and expand their audiences using Google Hangouts and live video. With her unique strategies, clients drive thousands of viewers and thousands of dollars in sales every month using Google Hangouts. So I'm really excited to talk to you about Google Hangouts, but before we do that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your business background and how you decided to become an entrepreneur? Uh, it was basically unemployable. I think it's really, I was, uh, yeah, like I, I think I had no other choice. Uh, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur for God, my entire life. It's always been, um, you know, to me, like it was a fate worse than death to have to be committed to like a Monday through Friday, nine to five. And I think that, you know, being a rebel and I've done so many different things and, you know, being multi-passionate and having, you know, different views and, you know, I moved in and out of life. It was so funny because I never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur, but I've actually never been employed. So I guess that would be, you know what I mean? I guess that would make me an entrepreneur, you know, but 20 years ago, I wasn't thinking of myself as an entrepreneur. I was just trying to get my hustle on and work for myself. And so that's pretty much how it's, it's played out for me. And, uh, it, it, you know, I, it's moved about, you know, I did real estate and, you know, I did have a public relations company and marketing a public relations company. And then I was a public speaker and, you know, all of those are all very entrepreneurial uh, adventures, but, you know, I never really considered myself an entrepreneur. Now I'll say I was a serial entrepreneur in hindsight, but I don't know that I ever said, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. You know what I mean? Like it was just more like I knew I was unemployable. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know about unemployable, but it might have just been like whatever your core passions are, that sort of thing, which we can talk about a bit later, are just not aligned with working a typical nine to five, right? So yeah, well, I think it's being multi-passionate, right? I think that we all have, like, all these different areas of expertise. And so there's not, you know, a lot of jobs that will allow you to shine in a variety of ways. And I, so I think that that's, you know, a, you know, like, when you have a job title, per se, it's, you know, it's hard to fit yourself into that box and cram yourself into that box when you have all these other passions and, and ways that you can contribute that, you know, most people would not know about if you're in a traditional job, I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So how did you go from um, running these different companies to getting into sort of coaching and consulting? Uh, it was, you know, it was a natural transition. You know, I, I used to do uh, more traditional marketing and public relations. Okay. And then, um, so I was te- technically already a consultant, I would say. Like, again, yeah. I wouldn't actually be hired. I'd be hired as a consultant by companies, you know, like hospitals and politicians and um, spiritual leaders and, and different things like that. So it kind of just naturally, you know, moved into that. And that became more of a consultancy. The coaching came about probably in the last few years where people were like, oh, I want to be doing what you're doing. And so then that's how that transitioned into, you know, the the coaching side of it. That's awesome. Um, Do you have any recommendations for people? Like, I know there's lots of coaching or consulting courses people can take out there before they jump into that sort of thing. Or do you just recommend, like, is there a certain type of person that's, like, better at it? Or what's the deal? 
Um, you know, I mean, gosh, there's so many great coaches. Like, I, I, like, I'm not like a quote-unquote life coach, right? So I, I'm more of a business coach. People come to me for advice to be doing what I'm doing and to replicate that. Um, I think, you know, really, it's really teaching from your mistakes. I think the biggest advice that I could give is that we all want to be perfect and have achieved a certain level before we feel worthy of giving advice. You know, you know, and so that's... Well, you're asking, like, what's the best way to go about it? But I also want to talk about, like, overcoming that barrier, that insecurity of I really don't have that much to offer. But when people are calling you up and offering you money for your expertise, you do have something to offer. You, so you don't need to be in the perfect space of, you know, a certain successful attainment to be able to share your knowledge with the world because there's other people that are, that are right behind you that just want to up their game. And I think that that's, you know, really important. And I, I was at a really high level mastermind. It was like a minimum. So they had to be a minimum seven figure earner to be in this room. I was shocked that I was invited into this room. My own insecurities obviously came up and the guy that was sitting in the hot seat had gone from two to 200 million in two years in coaching, which is unheard of. Like how do you scale coaching to that level? And was sitting there sharing his own insecurities about not thinking that he had a lot to offer. And the guy sitting next to me drives a Maserati and has a black American Express card. And he said, listen, it doesn't matter if you're here or you're here. He's using the hand movements. He's like, we all face the same insecurities of thinking that we don't have anything to contribute. So it's really, you know, pushing yourself past that would be my grandest advice to anybody that's getting into coaching. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, I definitely, as somebody that's like working for myself, of course, have insecurities, but it's it's funny, like, it's when you shift them to be like vulnerabilities. I think vulnerability is a good thing, not yes. necessarily insecurity, though. If that makes sense, right? But I think that's brilliant. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean that that way you can create that connectivity with your audiences, but at the same time, not kind of undermine yourself, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the big thing with coaching, particularly with coaching, is if you're if you're like held in too high of esteem, you can't empathize with somebody. So the more that you're able to be vulnerable and share, like, hey, I, people, like, you can feel like the air just release from them, and they're like, you face that, you too have overcome that. They really want to know how you've done that, and so that then they feel like you understand them and can relate to them better. If you're holding yourself in too high of esteem, or they're holding you in too high of esteem, they're like, well, yeah, that's you because you make this much or look this way or had these connect, you know what I mean? So the, the, the quicker you can close the empathy gap, the, the better, more likely you are to actually help people to achieve their goals. Yeah, absolutely. So in relation to that, um, but switching gears a bit here, what attracted you to become the expert in Google Hangouts originally? Like how did that happen? Ah, no, <laughs> there was no attraction. I tripped into it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so funny. Yeah, like, they're, they're like, I got to tell you, I, you know, me, I like to be transparent, right? Like, I was being, a, I was being a, a, a wimp. I was going to use the P word, but I was being a wimp about um, launching another brand. I don't know if we want to be that swear-tastic, but um, it, I was being a wimp about launching another brand. And so I, I do really well with kind of grip it and rip it. And so I put, I put myself to the fire and I did a, a birthday hangout and it was, the intention was to launch this other brand. And I had like 700 viewers. I did 24 hours of promotion. I said that I was going to be raw and real and drunk probably it was because it was my birthday on this hangout. And, uh, I had 700 viewers. I couldn't believe it. So I'm like looking around at everybody. I'm like, why aren't we all doing hangouts? Right. And then, uh, I hired a couple experts and, and though they're brilliant, um, they didn't really get marketing. And they, they really got the tech, the, the cool tech geeks. But at the end of both of the calls, I was like, my head hurt. Like, I'm like, they're making this way more difficult than is necessary. And 
So then I, I just spent, you know, several, probably about 100 hours just trying to break it down into the simplest form. That was my first claim to fame. And then the second was cracking the code on it. But, um, and then people started offering me money. And I kid you not, the first time somebody offered me money, I was like, uh, you know, it's free, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I was like, so wimpy to even charge 200 bucks to, to, for my advice. Like I felt like a schmuck for charging money for it. And, uh, and then of course now I charge, you know, like what, five times that, but you know what I mean? But back at the beginning, I was like, uh, okay, I'm like the least tech person on the planet. I'm lucky if my phone works. And you know what I mean? And the people want to pay me. And so then it went through a bunch of different evolutionary processes. You know, like one of my mentors said, stop trying to sell the free tool, sell your benefit to the free tool. And then, you know, so things started clicking and then I became overnight, overnight, quote unquote, uh, the hangout marketing expert. And I was just like, wow, like if you would have told me that a couple of years ago, I would have been like, no. So, so there you have it. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny. Um, so for the listeners who may have never hung out before, um, can you give us a brief rundown of kind of what Google Hangouts is and how it's different from something like Skype? I, I just have a lot of friends that are like averse to using Google's different functionalities and like, apps and stuff <laughs> yeah well I'm the same way you know what I mean that's why I, I do see the irony that I'm the hangout and I do say marketing expert not you know hangout expert or g plus expert like when I speak on stage I say not to be confused with g plus expert yeah. when you simplify that give me a call I'll buy your course yeah. um you know what I mean because I was the same way like between Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest I was like yeah it's making my head hurt mm-hmm. um so Basically, Hangouts are live video conferencing is essentially what they are. And so they stream live to YouTube. And that's really the magic piece right there is that you don't need to be a G-plus expert. You don't need to go and circle people up and create events and do all of these things that all the experts tell you to do. Basically, it's a live streaming YouTube video. So you can have yourself plus nine people in the Hangout, which I don't recommend having that many people in, inside the Hangout because it's just too much going on. Yeah. You know? um, and then you can have unlimited viewership and it's free. So it is also video marketing on nitrous. So if you have a message to share, or you're a coach, you know, or, you know, even like a high level executive and you want to have team meetings, you can do all of those on hangouts and they have vastly in the last year made like now it's, you know, HD and all these enhancements in a control room. They continually are upping their game on this, and uh, and it's their baby. So the, you know the the it is a big bandwidth thing, but I think you have a better um, calls like we're doing Skype when we both laughed about that. But you know you can you can do them on Hangouts, and you know it's really about getting your message out there to a, a broader audience in an easier way. And then like what I was also speaking to is closing the empathy gap, is that. Um, it's shit's going to go wrong, right? Like, like even if you hire me, like I can't, I don't work for Google or for YouTube, you know what I mean? So something will go wrong, get over it. You know what I mean? But when people see stuff go wrong, you know, they, it humanizes you even more so. Cause they're like, look, even you, that happens to you. Like my worst hangout that I thought would end my career ended up netting me four of my biggest clients. So, because I just handled it. Like I was just like, <laughs> shit happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. They're like, okay, that was cool. So, yeah. Yeah, just from the marketing side of things, too, like Google did a really exceptional job with pulling like thought leaders and influencers to do hangouts and that sort of thing to kind of like pump it up. Like, I just remember I was so stoked on um, 
they did like an interview with like Richard Branson and Elon Musk, and I was like, oh, my mind is being blown right now! Like, holy shit! Like, yeah, that's so funny. Last year, I talked about that. They're like, well, which one? Which one do you think is the best hangout that you see? I was like, oh my god, with Elon Musk munching on a sandwich while Richard Branson's talking. You know what I mean? Like some hot girl walking around in the background. You know, that was fantastic. Yeah, that was my that was my favorite hangout of all time. Yeah. Um, so is there a difference between Google Hangouts and YouTube live events? Uh, yeah, I mean, there definitely is. But now with YouTube live events, every, everybody has access to that. So you can start a hangout on air from YouTube live events is yeah. which, where I suggest people do it. Um, it's not necessary to use uh, – hangouts are going to outrank. Um, they have a higher ranking. And then YouTube live events are like if you were going to go like big, like you were at a Tony Robbins concert with, you know, seven different cameras and a soundboard and all that stuff. You know, that, there's a really steep learning curve with that. Whereas Hangouts are on air, just, you know, go in, start your Hangout on air, name it, keyword, tag it, and boom, you're up and running. So I, I don't even use live events at this point. I, I'll probably, you know, branch into it a little bit more this year. Um, but it's just such a steep learning curve and you have to pay for some software and different things like that. But it's, if you're going to really up your game in production value. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, with Google, Google Hangouts, one of the things that I do love about it is that it takes the process of getting like a video to YouTube. It's like so fast and easy. Right. Whereas yeah. like, if you're like filming with like a DSLR or just like, doing it through Skype, then you have to, like, process it through, like, iMovie or some sort of, like, video program and then upload it, and, like, it's just, like, a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what's so funny is that that's the other reason why I ended up in Hangouts, right? Because I would get so agitated with video editing and then uploading, and then it would take forever, and then I would have the dimensions wrong, and it's like, ah, I can't stand this. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> I literally, like, just yesterday, uh, one of my friends or two of my friends, like, did the ice bucket challenge and challenged me to it. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'll just film it with my camera. And I swear it took like freaking, it was like a one minute video and it took like an hour just to like process it, upload it. And then it like didn't upload properly. So I had to like re-upload it. And I was just like, ah, I, <laughs> I, so I did mine on a hangout on air. I, I went out on my balcony and did it right, right, right from my laptop and did mine on a hangout on air. Boom, done. It was live. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like for a one minute video, this just took like an hour and a half to like, yeah. and it was like straight cut, like literally no editing or anything it was so annoying but yeah. anyways um going back to google hangouts like what would be some of the benefits for a small business owner to be using this to like incorporate into their marketing efforts uh, well, like I was talking about before, like it's really video marketing on Nitrous. Like we already know that YouTube videos outrank, you know, your standard post and things, right? That, that was always a given. Well, now with Hangouts on air, uh, you know, how long this will last? I'm not an SEO expert. You know, I just have some theories. A, it's Google's baby. B, um, it's current and relevant content. And YouTube videos are ranked on current and relevant content. So a Hangout on the air, you can rank a Hangout on the air even before you push start broadcast and not, you don't, I'm not, you know, like I'm not saying go out and get a bunch of keyword tools and do a ton of research. No, no, no. Just think of it as a search engine, how to install a WordPress theme, how to start a podcast, how to use hangouts on air, how to, you know what I mean? Think of it as a search engine and you use, you know, just longer phrases when you title that, then you're more likely to rank. And this just happened like I think in the last 10 days. Now they're saying, so like if you're um, like if you're your brand personality, so like you know I'm my brand personality more so than Hangouts for businesses. But um, if you were to Google me and we were on a Hangout on air right now, I would show up with a play button. Oh. 
Like if we were on a hangout on air right now, yeah, this is insane for ranking. Like this is just beyond insane. So like if you're an author, a speaker, a coach, anything that where you're your brand, people will Google you. If they Google you, I mean, of course it has to be divine providence and exactly the right moment and right time or whatever, but still that's pretty huge. So, you know, I, I have a, a couple different approaches with, with hangouts with my clients. You know, I say to drive them to a controlled environment, i.e. to your website. Um, but don't neglect the power of the YouTube marketing. You know, make sure that you title it properly. Make sure that you have a call to action above the fold, meaning in that first two sentences, you know, where the, on the video it says show more. Make sure in that first one to two sentences you have some type of call to action. Your website, where you want them to go, what you want them to do. Put it in a good description Keyword tag it with four or five keywords. Make sure you mention those keywords during your hangouts, and you'll easily be on the first page of Google on your topic. So, like if you were like if you wrote, you know, how to be a young female entrepreneur, and then hyphen your name, right? So you're you're establishing your authority with your name, but also you know like tips and tricks for for entrepreneurs, or you know what I mean? Like just be thinking about stuff like that, like what people would be searching for. And like, if you're a small business, like every, there's no one. And it's not just because I'm in hangouts that like, like, you know, buy my stuff, don't buy my stuff. It doesn't matter to me, but everyone should be doing them. You know what I, I mean? It's just brilliant marketing. You get to close the empathy gap. You get to get your message out there in a bigger way. You'll reach a bigger audience more so than any money can buy. Like the amount of money that we spend on advertising and everything else, you, you're, you'll just get a new audience that resonates with you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, on that note, like in terms of talking about brand personalities and that sort of thing, I know that you um, do public speaking. And so do you have tips for people that are on air for being like less super duper awkward as F? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the thing is, is like, yeah, it's, it's hard for speakers to transition to video, right? Because they're used to being on stage and having some type of external validation, so it's, you know, it's, you really have to get accustomed to not having external validation when you're on video and, you know, cause you're not going to get that feedback and you can't rely on feedback. When you're a public speaker, you can rely on feedback. You can see when the audience glazes over, you can see when you've lost them, you know what I mean? So then you can adjust properly. So it's really just making sure that, that your content's, you know, solid. Um, I don't like scripting at all. Like I, I'm an off the cuff speaker. Um, always have been. I've never prepared a, a speech in advance, not once ever in my life. Like I'll get up on stage and just know. So it is a little bit of a transition to video to, uh, you know, share your content. The biggest thing that I will say is to keep the energy up. So most people worry about 10 pounds being added when you're on camera. It's the biggest concern you should have is that it sucks 50% of your energy. <laughs> You know what I mean? It does immediately suck. So, you know, like, so if you meet me in person or, you know, like, so when I'm on video, I'm amped up, but even if you meet me in person, I don't have to amp that up. But when you meet me in person compared to video, I amp up 50% just to make sure the video comes across as congruent with me in person. So in person, I'm pretty high energy, right? right. But on video, if I was to just talk my normal way, it would, it would, it would deplete massively. So really upping your personality, that extra 50% and making sure that it's really high energy and fast paced. Uh, you can't have those lulls, those ums and those ahs. And then let me think about this. You, you really, you have to keep your energy up there to keep people engaged. Um, and then I suggest like where I started was with Toastmasters. I tell people just get comfortable with Toastmasters. That'll get rid of the, yeah, that's how I got started. My first, uh, first time I ever spoke in public, I went to Toastmasters. 
And then I ended up winning a contest for dating in the 21st century. I won like the state of Florida for comedic, for comedic, uh, my little Toastmaster speech. thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Toastmasters are great. I'm so with you on that. Like I did it for about eight months, probably like two years ago now. And it has helped me immensely with just being like, ridiculously awkward at public speaking and being slightly less awkward at public speaking now but um no it's like such a great organization it's unreal yeah Yeah, it is I mean that's where I got started it was so funny because I you know I've been a speaker for so long uh but one of my best friends from years ago reminded me she goes remember that first time when you joined Toastmasters and you couldn't write a two-minute talk I was like now I don't remember that. Like now I can speak for six hours and not even blink an eye. And, you know, it, I was like, oh, that's right. So it really was instrumental in starting my speaking career was, you know, two minutes. I had a hard time doing a two minute talk and now I could talk for six hours, obviously. But yeah. yeah <laughs> like I just remember the table topics. I'd always be like, don't pick me. Don't pick me. Damn yeah. it, they picked me like, no. And then just like yeah. having to speak off the cuff on the spot for like 90 seconds or whatever. It was just like the worst death ever for. Yeah. It really was. I did it much time. Now it's like okay, but I mean, yeah, like I said, the organization is like amazing. So <laughs> yeah, everybody should join that. Like if you're any kind of speaker, coach, anything like that, you you need to get you need to up your game on on speaking in public, whether that be stage or a video. It, it was it was instrumental. So it's so funny we're having this conversation. I haven't talked about this in a while, but yeah, it's a great reminder. Yeah, and it's very affordable too. Like, and they have like chapters, like a bajillion chapters in like every city. So. Yeah, I think it's like what, 20 bucks, 20 or 30 bucks or something. It's like stupid cheap. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? I the networking like that you get. every yeah. six months or something. Like, it was crazy. And the networking that you get, right? And the cool thing about that is, is that you have a sympathetic and empathetic audience, right? Because they feel your pain when you get up there and you're, you're sweating and your face is bright red. and You know what I mean? Like, it's just a fantastic environment. Yeah, everybody should join that group. All right. I will put contact information below this conversation. Yes. Um, so going back yeah. to Google Hangouts, um, what are some common mistakes that people will do on Hangouts? Or is there such a thing as a mistake? Or uh, should I ask, like, what are some ways that you can mask mistakes on there? <laughs> well, in answer to your question, yes, there's always tons of freaking mistakes, right? I mean, yeah, there's always tons. Uh, you know, the biggest one that I would say is um, not looking in the camera. It's our natural habit to want to look at ourselves. And if we're interviewing somebody, it's our habit to want to look at them. So not looking at your screen. Think about the psychology of when you're looking down on your laptop. One of the biggest things that I like, get annoyed with when I watch Hangouts is people looking down. You know, The psychological impact of looking down on somebody is not beneficial to your business. So really being aware of looking in the camera. And you know, it, when I first started doing video... It's very tricky to look into this cold lens, you know, yeah, yeah. whether it be your webcam or whatever. Uh, so I put a little post, a hot pink post-it note and write, I love you. Because I do love my audience, right? So just to remind myself that I love you. You know, I love talking to you. I love sharing, you know, this information. So if you stick a post-it note on your camera or if you have to, like, cover up your screen so you're not inclined to look at your screen in any way, you know, whatever you have to do to really train yourself to look at the camera and then really be into the camera. Like, you're looking someone in the eyes, whether that you think of a loved one or you think about a happy space or whatever, is to really do that and angle your camera a little bit above eye level so that you're not looking down. Mm, That's really good advice. So I guess on that note, in terms of like engaging with your audience, um, you have the tagline engage, ignite, expand. So how did you conceptualize this phrase and like turn it into your Google Hangouts kind of phrase of choice? 
Give me a <laughs> background on that. Yeah, I, I, this is such a great question because this was one of those, it was a term that I was meditating and the, the term came to me and I was like, well, I don't even know what that's related to. This was back and I wasn't even like, remember when I was being the P word about a, another brand? This was like free that. Right. So that's free, free hangouts, free this other brand, free everything. This was like a couple of years ago. And I was like, what a great term. And so I, at the time I thought it meant engage your heart, ignite your heart, expand your heart. Cause I was all in the woo woo space at that time. And, uh, so that's what I thought, that's what I thought it meant at the time. So I contacted my lawyer. I said, I think we should trademark this. And he's like, yeah, let's get it trademarked. So we trademarked it. And then I just shelved it and forgot about it. And then, uh, yeah, totally spaced it. And then when I got into Hangouts, when I got back into more marketing stuff and less woo-woo stuff, uh, then I realized, I was like, wait, this is all about marketing. This is about engage your audience, ignite your audience, expand your audience, get them to go do their thing. And then, bam, I fell into Hangouts. And I was like, well, duh, this is the tagline for this. So, yeah, it was one of those things that just came to me. I know that so- I know it sounds as woo woo as I'm saying it, but it really was one of those terms that I was like, it made such sense. But it had such a variety, you know what I mean? Like at the yeah. time, it was like engage your heart, your heart, expand your heart, you know. And I was feeling all that, but then I was like, wait, I'm a marketing person. Oh wait, this is engage your audience, right? Yeah. So. It's like, engage, make eye contact with the camera, ignite, yeah. Like, yeah. talk exactly. 50% more animated than you normally would. <laughs> Yeah, and expand exactly. your audience. Yeah. <laughs> and let them go do the work for you, right? So you expand your audience by getting people that are in resonance with you, and then they become your ambassadors, and then they're out there expanding your message. Yeah, exactly. So that's ideal. Yeah. Um, I guess on your sort of on the woo-woo note, so talking about um, authenticity, I know from Simon's podcast that I listen to, and everybody should listen to Simon Granner and Naveed Moazes as well because they're super awesome and friends of mine. Um, Shameless plug, insert there. Uh, But uh, you talked a little bit about the hashtag JFBYOU. So can you tell us a little bit about what that is and just how it relates to authenticity? And do you have a show coming up that you're launching or tell me about that? Yeah, that's my passion project, truth be told. Uh, so J- hashtag JFBYOU stands for just fucking be you. And what I've discovered throughout time and history and you know, studying people and whatever is that the second that somebody is actually truly authentically themselves is when success truly happens. Mm-hmm. You know, Because when you're in the personal development space or in the business space, we are always trying to model other people. And so we sometimes lose our voice in that. So in my own struggle to maintain my own voice, I was like, you know, get over yourself, Brandy. Just fucking be you. And then, you know, of course, that's when hashtags were really coming about. So I have like, you know, T-shirts. It's my passion project is to really say, you know, it could be just friggin' be you too. Like, I'm not saying that you should be as brassy and as squirtastic as I am. You know what I mean? But just fucking own you. You know what I mean? Like, just own you. And, and do you Oprah's covered you know all of the experts in the space they're all covered but if you'll notice you know what all of the truly successful people in any space is the moment they truly became them is when they truly skyrocketed their business and they take the shame off the table as well because you know you know, I have a you kind of a tumultuous background, you know, with family life and whatever. So there's always kind of these like lingering shame pieces. Like if people were really to get to know me, then they may not like me. And so the second that I was just like, "Fuck it, this is who I am. This is who, who I represent." You either resonate or you don't. It, 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 you know, it's not my responsibility to make you like me. You either like me or you don't. Then I started really becoming way more successful just in that thought process of like, "Fuck it, this is who I am." You know what I mean? Like with cussing and everything else. Yeah. You know, I, I want you to be 
able to, you know, read, get an email from me, talk to me on Skype, see me on a hangout, see me on a video, meet me in a bar. It pretty much I'm the exact same person in all of those venues. You know, <laughs> yeah. And then there's no shame, right? So that's really what it stands up for. And then I really wanted to, in the marketing space in particular, you know, I, I, I'm really good friends with, with, with some high-level people. And we've all had shit storms. You know what I mean? We've all had big dips in our business and big rises in our business. And, you know, we've all swung through every single portion of it. And so I feel like the more that we all share the reality of that, you know, that, that when you're on the hustle, sometimes things don't go great. You know what I mean? And they suck. And the more that we can share that, the more we give other people permission to share that as well. That's great. I love that. That's yeah, so true too. Like I find I, I still have, I'm challenged with this, like being a people pleaser as opposed to just like really focusing on the people that are your brand lo- loyalists, so to speak. You know what I mean? And like giving all of your energy and attention to the people that really resonate with you instead of trying to accommodate everybody and just like not necessarily being authentic all the time. So. Yeah. And I mean, that's the biggest piece because if, you, if you're like that, then you're naturally magnetic to the people. I'm not for everybody. I posted this on my Instagram the other day. I may not be a, anybody, everybody's cup of tea, but I'm someone's double vodka. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know? So like, and the more that I was like that, I then the, the beauty of that is that you attract people you love working with. Mm-hmm. And that's like the big, huge switch in all of your business. The more that you are just like you, the more that you're just fucking being you, that you, you attract like awesome people to work with. And you're like, oh my God, I I love my clients. When I was trying to be the next this or the next that or was trying to be whatever that wasn't truly in alignment with me, I, I freaking hated my clients. You know what I mean? Like they annoyed the shit out of me. They sucked the life out of me. You know what I mean? So the more I got in alignment, the, the more I attracted the people I like to work with. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I've definitely found too, like anytime I've tried to like work with a client for money as opposed to just like having it being a good fit with me, I've like regretted it later and been like, damn it, this is so much more challenging than it should be and like frustrated. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why it's good to fire clients. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm a firm believer in fire clients. Like if they're sucking the life out of you, you're of no benefit to them and, and they're of no benefit to you. You know what I mean? Like if you're miserable, you're not going to help them. You resent them. They can sense that. Then all their shit comes up. All your shit comes up. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you know, what I mean? Yeah, there's a shit storm, and then you're like, fuck, you know, I hate my life, yeah. Oh, so funny. Okay, so <laughs> I guess sort of on the track of the JFBYOU, um, I know you've talked in the past about having kind of these personal branding touchstones, um, and like one of yours is being bold, right? So can you give us a rundown yeah. of that and why defining these are important for people? Uh, well, it's, it's keep it like, you know, so just as much as I talk about just fucking be you, sometimes I'll lose sight of that. Right. So when we started the branding for Brandy Sweezy, which was a big, you know, it's a big thing when you like brand, you know, like I'm talking about myself in a third person, but you know what I mean? It's, you know, but when you're, when you're going to be the brand and you're finally going to come out of the closet and be your brand, it's really important to know what your brand is. So, you know, and I've been in branding for a long time. So it's really about knowing those touchstones. So it's, you know, knowing that, you know, what are my three core attributes? Well, at my core, I'm bold, I'm real, and I'm inspiring, right? 
But because I've been in marketing for so long, I can buy into my own illusions, right? So it was really important that I use those as touchstones. Am I being bold? No, you're being a P word. You know, am I being inspiring? No, you're being a whiner. You know, am I keeping it real? No, you're faking it right now. You know what I mean? So those are my touchstones. But that's also how we determine my colors, my fonts, you know, everything in all of my branding is really consistent with that bold, real, and inspiring. Because I'm a big softy too. Like I sound like a hard ass, but you know, I'm a big, like I cry on bounty commercials and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so <coughs> you know, so it's you know, like I have to keep it real, and it's really good to have those touchstones. And then my tonality is obviously very bold. And then the mission statement was to help entrepreneurs, well, to help others to achieve their goals. Really at the core, that's really where that's I'm the least neurotic. That's when I'm having the most fun is when I'm helping someone achieve their goals. Yeah. So when we started on my branding, we sat down with all of, you know, what are your three core ads? So here's a branding exercise. What are your three core attributes? At your core, what are your three core attributes? Not what you think other people think, not what you think, not when you're all in your head thinking about it. No, at your core, who are you really? And then what is your tonality? How do you want to speak in the marketplace? So, you know, all my photos are very bold. Um, so my tonality is definitely bold. And then what's my mission statement and 15 words or less. So with that, I went to my graphic designer and said, okay, here. So like the brandy on my word mark is very bold, but the sweezy is kind of swervy because I am kind of a mush pot, you know? So, you know, making sure that, you know, because I am in the grand scheme of things, I'm mush pot, uh, you know, but I just, I'm very vocal. And so those are really good. So whenever I do anything, you know, I just check in with myself and that goes back to the alignment of the just fucking be you. Because if I'm not being those things, I'm not being me at my core. I'm trying to please somebody out there. And it's very hard to stay in alignment with that. So it's good to have those touchstones of what your core, like at my core, who am I truly? You know? Yeah. So. And I think you nailed, nailed it on the head too. Like it's really important to do these weekly or monthly or quarterly or whatever touch, like touch bases with yourself and just seeing if you're still aligned with those. But yeah, because it's scary. You know what I mean? Who wants to be judged? Nobody wants to be judged. I, I mean, I, I still struggle with this, you know, if, to, again, to be transparent. You know, like I speak on different stages. There's some stages that are way more professional. And so I, I lose sight of myself. Like I don't want those people that, that hired me to, I don't want them to think of me a certain way. Maybe I should tone it down a little bit, you yeah. know? Yeah. For sure, for sure. So um, I think I, I don't know if it was in uh, Simon's interview or not, but I know like, you took some time off uh, quite a while ago to kind of figure out what your passion and purpose was in life. So I wanted to ask you about that. I know you said that like you don't didn't necessarily have like an aha moment. Do you believe that people can or like how does like how do people figure out what their passion is or are they wasting their time trying to like intentionally find their passion? Um, well, first of all, I'm jealous and envious of anybody that has a lightning bolt moment because in my 45 years, I've never had the lightning bolt moment. You know what I mean? So, it, you know, is it possible? I'm sure. I'm, you know what I mean? Like anything's possible. But what I really, I found that I was really frustrated, you know, in my later on, like, I was like, well, I don't have a passion. I don't have a purpose. I don't like, I'm not, you know, and I was beating the shit out of myself. And I was like envying all these people that have these big lightning bolt moments. Like, this is my purpose. And I'm like, oh, you fucking suck. Um, so, you know, but what I, what I did realize and you know, and now I, I can speak about this is, you know, you're, you're already living your passion in some area of your life. And instead of trying to put so much pressure on what you're like, you know, the lightning bolt 
you know, clouds parting, all of that stuff going down is, you know, if you'll just look at yourself and, and just be tacking, like in sailing, you're just tacking and adjusting course. So you're moving a little bit over here and you're like, really love this, hate this. Ooh, really love this, hate this. And like for myself, you know, I asked the question, when am I the least neurotic? When do I seem the most at peace? When do I seem the most excited about stuff? It's when I'm helping others. Well, there's my passion. But you know, and everything that I've done throughout my life has been that passion. But I was waiting for some like, you know, feed, feed the world or cure cancer, you know what I mean? Or some, something huge and not really realizing that, you know, marketing and helping, you know, entrepreneurs was truly my passion and not realizing that that was a a, a very viable passion. You know what I mean? Like I, I thought it had to be way bigger or different somehow. And so I was always comparing myself to that. So I think that you just stay your, you stay your path and you, you keep on like, you know, again, you, you adjust, 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 adjust. And then suddenly you find out that you're living your passion and you have been all along and like, let's take some pressure off of this. Yeah. You have a sweet epiphany and you're like, Oh, life is good. Like, yeah. What have I yeah. been stressed out about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, what has been one of the riskiest things that you've done in your career this so far? Oh God. Let me see what you can do the riskiest however you'd like. <laughs> God, well, I mean all the time, right? Like, isn't it, isn't it a daily risk? Um, you know, I mean? like, like, Oh I, yeah. Riskiest thing I've done in my career, uh, giving up my marketing company to become a circuit speaker. That was, um, I didn't, I didn't think that through. So what I did was I started, um, you know, I started like letting contracts, you know, go ahead and just end yeah. because I was going to go live my quote unquote passion to be a public speaker. And then I had agreed to work with this company that had promised, you know, bookings, like my, like my income went, you know, like almost to a third, but I was willing to do it because I was living my passion of speaking. Yeah. And, um, and then it ended up not working out at all. And so then it left me in quite the bind and on a quick hustle to try to figure out how to recover from that. Hmm. Gotcha. Interesting, interesting. Um, Just to kind of change the topic a little bit. So as a woman, do you find it challenging to have like a work-life balance when you're working for yourself and just like trying to set your own schedule and then also taking time out for yourself? (laughs) <laughs> I'm probably one of the few people that will say absolutely not. No, like I'm really good about, I'm really good about, uh, balance. You know what I mean? Like, well, and I think this is a big thing is that if you're, if you're doing what you love and, and you really enjoy it, then, then there's no, like there isn't a day off. Yeah. Right. But it also doesn't have to be high, strong, high stress, high, you know, that, uh, I don't have kids. So, so it's hard for me to, to speak to that. I think that that would be a lot more challenging. And I, and I certainly admire, you know, women that are working from home and managing their children and managing, you know, their, their families and all of that, like, you know, like hats off to you ladies. Like I just cannot even begin. Um, so, you know, I have the good fortune of not having that. Um, well, not the good fortune, you know what I mean? But like, I like this sounded horrible, but you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's not one of the struggles that I have yeah. in that. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I've been very like critical recently of just being like, Okay, the purpose is to like work to live, not live to work. You know what I mean? So just really realigning and just letting go of things that are super stressful and actually taking time out to do things like go to the beach and that sort of thing. Is it, all those things are so super important. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think that that is so, you know, well, I, I think as women, I think one of the biggest challenges that women have is that, that we don't take the time to take care of ourselves because we're natural caretakers. 
you know, so it's really important to take that time out, you know, like if I want to sleep in, I sleep in. If I want to have a lazy, like I don't want to do anything day, I do that. You know, like I honor that that's what's going to be my highest and best use of my day. Because if I try to push myself to do stuff that I really don't want to do, I find myself in nervous breakdown mode. Yeah, or like resentful or. Oh, yeah. that Yeah, then it comes across in everything that you do. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I just have a couple more questions for you. Where do you see the future of Google Hangouts going? Uh, I think it's only going to get bigger. I think that people should, you know, I was on the bleeding edge a year and a half ago. Um, you know, now I'm kind of on the cutting edge. And I think that it's only like, so you think like in marketing, like, so all of us that are, that are, you know, in marketing and especially marketing online, you know, we're, we're like the, you know, the top 10% of how that knowledge is going to trickle down. So now that knowledge is going to trickle down to, to the mass population. That's the next phase of development. And truthfully, you know, like this is what I think, and it, it, people can call me crazy, but when you think about Google Glass and you think about Hangouts, I think that their positioning, and this is just my guesstimation and my theory, I think they're positioning to take over like broadcasting yeah. as a whole. You know, I think that you know, like if, if there was an accident right outside the door right now. You'd have to, you know, somebody would have to call the tip line. The news crew would have to come down. They'd have to pay the news crew, get them all set up, try to get the story, and the story is over. Now with Google Glass and cell phones and everything else, and now with Hangouts on Air being on mobile, people are going to become news broadcasters just like that. And then if you look at everybody moving into, like Gary Vee, his uh, original claim to fame was YouTube videos, and then he's got a media, you know, firm, and he hasn't done videos in years. Now he's doing videos every week. Or like uh, like I'm I'm watching uh, I love it. It's like Ask Gary Vee does like little eight minute shows. He's not doing them on Hangouts, but he's he's really paying attention to his YouTube channel. And all of the major networks are paying attention to their YouTube channel. So in relation to that with Hangouts, I think that you're going to see a lot of people come on the scene and doing really good professional shows. And like back in the day, I tried to get a a, a show on Oprah. <laughs> she was back like she was when she was doing the own network. And back then I was like all snobby, like I, I want to be on own, but I'm not doing any YouTube videos. And now I'm the opposite. I'd rather do YouTube videos because I don't have to worry about my advertisers dictating how I'm going to appear. Yeah. And so I really see it moving in that direction. And you could set up your entire YouTube channel as like your own little broadcasting station with different playlists and different, I mean, it's, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. And it's kind of freaky too, because like there's just that potential of having like almost a way bigger reach on YouTube than on an actual like broadcasting channel. Like, for me, I haven't owned cable for, like, six years. Like, I have no idea what's going yeah. on on TV these days. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. Yeah, I mean, uh, same thing. Like, I haven't watched the news in well over 10 years. You know, and people are like, oh, how do you, how do, you do that? I'm like, well, if something big's happening, I'm sure they'll be talking about it at the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like, I'll hear about it somehow. I'll hear about it on Facebook, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I always see posts on, like, Facebook or Twitter, and I'll be like, oh, what is this? Like, in terms of news or whatever's happening in the yeah. world. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I guess this is all the time we have. Um, I just have one last question for you that I ask all of our um, interviewees. So my final question is, what is your number one tip for others on how they can be more love note worthy in their business and lives? I think we talked about it the whole time. Just fucking be you. Like, just rock you. You know what I mean? Like, just be you. And that's going to make you noteworthy. You're going to get a loyal, massive following that of people that are going to resonate with you, that love working with you, and that you love working with. And that's going to make you the, the, all the more. Yeah. 
I love it. Thank you so much, Brandy. Um, before we wrap this up, I do have a challenge for our listeners, um, as we do at the end of each of our episodes. So my challenge today for you is tell us your three core attributes that make up your personal brand. Um, I'd love to hear them below. And if you even want to take it a step further, definitely, um, write down what your kind of a vision or mission statement is. And as Brandy said, it can be up to 15 words, correct? Just so it's short and sweet. Okay, sweet. So we would definitely love to see those um, in the conversations below. Again, thank you so much, Brandy, for being on the Love Noteworthy show. I really appreciate you taking the time into your schedule. And we will definitely need to Google Hangout at some point in the future as opposed to Skype record this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you for having me. This is going to be awesome. Congratulations. This is an awesome show. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you.